Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello, welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. My name's Tom Marvin, Senior Technical Editor here at BikeRadar.com and MBK Magazine as well. Joining me in the video studio for a podcast um, are two of our most senior technical people in the whole of the business. We've got... <laughs> Age and seniority. Yeah. Age and seniority. <laughs> We've got Warren Roster, who is our senior technical editor for all things Curly Bars. How's it going, Warren? Very good, thank you. Excellent stuff. And we have Rob Weaver, our technical editor-in-chief. Hi, Tom. How are you getting? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very well, yeah. Good. Have you guys been doing anything interesting recently? Um, I've been testing a set of amazing wheels that happens to be five and a half thousand pounds a oh, set. Um, change. And then I've just shifted straight into testing four... Uh, affordable graphical bikes that their combined price is less than those wheels the combined price of all four bikes of all four it's less than those wheels <laughs> good <laughs> yeah. we have to cross the whole like span of of, uh, of prices here because some people will buy those wheels yeah maybe and a lot of people want to read about them i think that's the thing we forget is that like even if no one's going to buy them people want to read about them yeah i mean i thought i was going to be um sort of underwhelmed because they're so expensive but actually they are astonishingly good right i don't know if they're five and a half thousand pounds good but they're astonishingly good yeah Which depends how they perform on ebay <laughs> <laughs> rob, no too what? soon <laughs> <laughs> what have you been up to rob i've got some cool bikes on test uh loads of enduro bikes in fact mm-hmm. uh but other than that mainly doing loads of stretching to try mm. and rectify my bad back right good fun yeah loads of fun happy days happy days Okay, well, this is our first tech Q&A of the year. And so, uh, as ever, our wonderful listeners, you guys out there, have been sending in your questions uh, to our email address, which is podcast at bikeradar.com. And we've collated five of these questions, and we're going to talk through each of them now. So, first off, 
don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And also, if you do have your own tech question, we are going to be putting out tech Q&As on a regular basis all the way through 2024. So if you've got any questions of any variety, any type, any topic, send them to podcast at bikegrader.com. Just not hard ones. No, yeah, just make sure they're easy that we can... Really easy. Yeah, that, Super quick to do. <laughs> don't just go on the internet and research it yourself. Because <laughs> that's what we'll be doing. <laughs> not quite true. All right, so question number one. Do you have... Any tips on how to keep my tubeless valves free of gunk? Now, there's no mention whether this is mountain bike or road, so I'm going to leave this to both of you. Uh, but Rob, let's start with you. What are your top tips for making sure your tyres stay free of gunk? And maybe why you want to keep them free of gunk? Well, so uh, if anyone has had valves gunk up before uh, and they've attached a track pump and tried to pump and inflate mm. their tyre to add a bit more pressure there, they'll know just how hard it is. Mm -hmm. So um, it's really important to check your sealant quite regularly. Probably, I mean... Three months if you're being really attentive, six months if you're... Like me. Like you, maybe a little less attentive, but um, obviously perf it, the performance will degrade over time and sealant won't be as effective and you will be out on a ride eventually and you will get a flat tyre mm -hmm. and the sealant can't do its job because it's either stuck to the inside of the tyre not doing anything or it's all congealed and blobbed up and mm -hmm. stuck in your valves. And you can hear the ball of its rattling around <laughs> yeah, in the tires. Yeah. Exactly. We've all been there. So it is really important to stay on top of that stuff, uh, assuming you want to keep riding puncher free. Um, so apart from, you know, popping your tires off the rim um, to top it up and check its health, mm -hmm. uh, I always run those, um, they're like valve caps, but they're shaped so you can use those valve caps to remove the core okay, yep. of the Presta valve. Um, it means you don't need any other tools. The tool is already there. Uh, you can pop it off. Obviously, your tire's going to go down mm -hmm. regardless, but you will see... You unless know, it's really gunked up. Unless it's really gunked up. But you will see, you are, you're able to check really quick if there is anything getting in the way, mm -hmm. and, and you can prod it out the way if you just need to quickly inflate your tires. Yeah. Um, that's one thing. Otherwise, it is, it is simply just pulling your tires off every few months just to try and stay on top of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the valves themselves, you can, as I say, you get the tool, you can pull the, the core out and then that core is like the little valve itself. And you can, you can see if the sealant's congealed around the base of it and you can sort of pull off little yeah. stringy bits of latex. Exactly. You need to keep it all clean. That's yeah. the thing. Part of it is just staying on top of that maintenance. And, and like I said, it isn't that regular. Every mm -hmm. few months isn't exactly... Uh, Lubing your chair. It's not yeah. anywhere near that sort of frequency. So it's pretty easy a to A good thing to keep of. on top of both for the sealant and, and the valve itself. Was any any thoughts from your end? I mean, it, it the kind of gunking up of valves happens quite a lot on road bikes because you're dealing with higher pressures and uh -huh. smaller volume. So it does get in there. So I've tended on most of my own bikes to switch over to either, uh, I'm just going to plug brands now, um, milk it right, yeah. or reserve valves because mm, both of those have, there's no other way of describing it, both of them have a sphincter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which lets air in, but doesn't let anything else out. And so, for the worst quick, <laughs> didn't it? <laughs> Cheers, Ross. Um, so that's, you know, that, that, would be, that would be my tip. If, if you're yeah. finding it frequently happening, then switch to a valve that has a, you know, has an actual physical barrier between, mm -hmm. the, between the air and the sensitive internals of the valve. Yeah, okay. I think there is a couple more brands out there now with, like, high-flow valves. Um, 76 projects, I think they've yeah. got one. Uh, and there's a couple more out there. But yeah, the, I've used the Fillmore valves from Reserve quite a bit and they're really good. Sort of like the valve is at the base of the sort of the tubeless valve stem. Sort of inverted almost. Yeah, it? sort of it's inside I, the you know, and, and I really like the milk kit system. You know, I, I think it's really apt for, for smaller tyres. You know, mm -hmm. most mountain bike 
tires you can it's quite easy to to fill the sealant in by just leaving the tire out and just pouring sealant directly yeah. in and a lot of road tires because the, the, the fit is so tight the rim mm. is so narrow that's really difficult and really messy yeah. so the milk kit system where you get a syringe mm-hmm. where you in, literally inject your you know you your push sealant it through the valve you push yeah. it through the valve you inject the sealant and, and it stays there and everything you know Again, on most on most road bikes to actually get the the tire to seal and seat properly, mm-hmm. you're taking the valve core out anyway and, and just pushing air yeah. directly through, not trying to push it through a valve. I mean, I always take the valve core out to fill sealant. Yeah, okay. I always put my tires on first and fill it like that. Through, okay, yeah. Just I, I, I'm going through the side usually. I just find it less messy more it than anything else. Messy. Yeah. yeah. One thing you probably shouldn't do, which is what I do do sometimes, if you take a, a Presto valve out and you get a pair of. Uh, a couple of pairs of pliers, you can actually completely break apart into its component parts your Presta valve, and then you can properly clean it down. And you still have to go past like a little stop on the thread. It's a bit naughty, but it does help when you're sort there of you go. lacking lacking fresh uh, valves for your tubeless setup, and you're just like, oh, it's just too clogged. I got to sort it. You can break it and make it work. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Oh, that's such a clutch pickup, Dave. I was worried we'd bring back the same team. I meant those blackout motorized shades. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Hall of Fame son. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Right, we'll move on to the next <laughs> one before we, uh, Big Presta comes for us and uh, tells us off. Plus you hate tubeless. Plus so, I hate yeah. tubeless, <laughs> slash working on bikes full stop. <laughs> um, right, this, one, this is another one which um, will get my blood boiling. But um, hi there, I recently ran my brake pads until they'd gone down to the metal. Kind of by mistake, but it was during a really horrible wet day. So this kind of does happen this time of year quite often. Mm. Will I have caused any, caused any damage to the rotor? And what pads will last the longest in our current horrible conditions here in the UK? I think it's a mountain bike question, really, Rob. So okay. crack on with you. Yes, potentially you could have damaged the road. Metal on metal. Yeah, it's less than ideal. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why pads are made the way they are. Um, and when you go past the actual braking compound and you're left with the back plate, mm-hmm. it, it can score the rotors, which will obviously have an impact on braking performance. And also the way in which it's going to heat up with the metal on metal mm. it could warp them as well, which is less than ideal. But a, a sort of a straightforward visual inspection, you should be able to get a, a good idea, a good handle on whether they are damaged or not. Um, looking at the coloration, if it's sort of gone an oil slicky sort of color, mm-hmm. might indicate that you've um, basically cooked the rotors. Um, looking for scratch marks, score marks, mm-hmm. uh, and, and simply spinning it and, and watching to see if it is sort of out of line. Looking at wobble through the through the caliper. Yeah, exactly. All of those things to me, you know, the easiest thing to do is, yes, you, of course, you can buy a, a truing tool and 
you can try and rectify it like that. And, and that would be my first port of call. Mm -hmm. But if it's too far out and it looks damaged, mm -hmm. it's probably not safe to continue to use. Okay. So I suggest changing it out, buying a replacement, yeah. um, either like for like or some kind of upgrade from, you know, an aftermarket braking company. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of uh, pads, you probably want to go for sintered, I'd say. Mm -hmm. They might take a little bit longer to bed in compared to organic or resin pads. Um, but generally, they're going to work better in bad conditions um, and they'll handle heat buildup and stuff like that better as well. Yeah. We have got a full brake pad explainer on biteradar.com, uh, yes, yeah. which is actually really useful. Yeah. And it's a good it's a good reference. Anytime you're looking, you know, in the market for upgrading, buying something new, it's always a good place to check just to, you know, sense check almost mm -hmm. your own sort of whatever it is you're looking to do. Yeah. I think rotors are really important to keep an eye on because they, you know, have a, they obviously have got a big impact on on your braking performance. So you can measure the thickness of them, and every different rotor will have its own thickness. Some of them are now what up to like two point three mil, one point eight so, yeah. to two point three is kind of normal. Yeah. Um. So depending on what it is, there's an amount of wear that is okay. When it gets down to like wafer thin, that's time for a new one, regardless of whether you've been going metal on metal or not. But um, get a pair of calipers, try and measure it up if you can. And most rotors do have like a wear, a wear dot on them. Do, don't yeah, they? yeah. You just got to work out where it is and, and recognize what it is. And it's also worth remembering, you know, if you've scored rotors, they're just going to wear pads even faster because they're yeah, exactly, going to cut yeah. into the pad. So just getting new pads isn't the answer. You know, if it's your rotors are scored, sense, it's a false it? economy. Yeah. You're just going to be burning through pads all the time. Yeah. And if you are finding yourself, you know, you, rotors don't necessarily have to be expensive. You know, I've ridden some eighty quid rotors, which. Feels a little bit punchy to be replacing every now and again if you uh, manage to go down past your brake pads. But you know, if you if you need to, you can get a fairly basic rotor for like twenty quid. Yeah, as long as you make sure it's compatible with the with type of brake you have, mm -hmm. because some rotors you won't be able to use. They they recommend. Yeah, you Shimano can't. have got a thing, haven't they? Or resin pads only on Shimano and on, on at certain price points. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. So yeah, take care, but not impossible. No, and and most especially the aftermarket. Um, brake companies they're always going to have good explainers on their websites mm -hmm. to make sure you you get the right rotors for the right brakes etc so yeah. it's pretty straightforward happy days all right then uh, we'll move on to uh, one which i think is more of a road and this is something i've noticed on a test bike of my own a few years ago but i was stripping my bike recently to give it a thorough regrease midwinter no bad thing uh, and noticed that the carbon fork steer has some indents in it that match where the slot in the stem sits Presumably the stem has caused this when I've tightened it. Uh, I've not done it too tight, use a torque wrench, but is my fork toast? I don't want to be eating tarmac when I hit up some coals this summer. See, this is a really, really tough one to answer. Um, right. If you, you know, you understand how carbon fiber works, you know, carbon fiber is incredibly strong in tension, mm -hmm. you know, has the fibers of mission and pulling, um, but it's not great in compression. Okay. Whereas the resin that bonds that carbon fiber together is actually quite good in compression. So, you know, if the if the structure doesn't look compromised, if it hasn't like discolored or there's no fraying or there's no obvious crack or anything, you might be okay. But I'm no way going to recommend just carry on riding it because literally, and I and I went to some like industry contacts on this from some of the biggest brands out there and spoke to their engineers and got the same response from both. And that's the only people that know if that fork is still safe to ride are the people that made it, right? Okay, because they know what went in it. Yeah, you know, and they know they've got all the specs and all the details of the engineering that, that, that went into it. So both of them just recommended that you take your bike along to the place where you bought it. Mm -hmm. So that's your local dealer. If it's, if it's, if it's that get them to make an assessment of it, get them to take photos of it and get mm -hmm. them to send them through to the brand's warranty department. Right. Okay. To make a proper assessment. S same thing as if you bought your bike online, you know, if you're one, if it was a direct, direct to market bike, take, 
as many photos as you can, mm-hmm. find their warranty, get through to them, and have that call made. But you know, I can't in any sort of way recommend. Yeah, carry on riding; it'll be all right. Yeah, you know, it most probably will, but I don't know. And, and you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna commit either no. way. Does it? But. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the thing with like carbon fiber components, whether it's the fork or a pair of handlebars, or even the in you know, if this is just a frame. You quite often will see, especially on, you know, mountain bike handlebar, a scratch in like the top coat. And you're like, oh, is that is that the carbon fiber that's damaged? Is it the top coat that's damaged? Is it just the outer sort of decorative layer of carbon that might be damaged? Or, you know, on a frame, you see a little crack in the paint and you're like, oh, and there seems to be, you know, not ununderstandably, but when it comes to carbon, like a very, I think most people understand what metal looks like. Whereas carbon fiber, it seems, still seems to be this like space age technology where like any defect in it, you're kind of like, oh, it's, it's about to snap. And it isn't always the case, but I guess people are a bit more nervous around carbon than they would be around a similar defect on a metal component. Right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I spoke to a couple of um, um, sort of high end bike builders, they sort of build custom bikes for people mm. and, and sort of, you know, mentioned it to, to them. And, and both of them sort of said, well, what they're doing is when they're setting up, you know, what can be a super expensive bike, et cetera, is that when they're getting the stem in position, I mean, like, simple thing, star nut, absolute no-no, never use it. Right, yeah. But use an expander bung. But when you're putting the expander bung in it, make sure it's long enough that it actually covers the clamp area of yeah. the stem. You know, it's simple things like that. So that so that, that structure is being, is being supported on both sides and mm-hmm. kept, you know, and it's equal tension. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if there's, if there's nothing sitting behind one of those stem bulbs, so that the, the actual steerage tube can compress, then your torque settings are all going to be off because it's not actually, it's not, yeah. you can be over-talking and not know it. It's because like overlying because, the yeah, tube. Because it's yeah. overlying the tube rather mm. than actually going up against a solid object. Mm-hmm. So. It is always bizarre when you sort of get like a lightweight carbon frame, usually on XC bikes or road and gravel, and like you can squeeze them. Yeah. Like, mm, yeah. It's pretty like, you're pretty wild. And then you're like, well, well, it used to true. be, you know, in the early days of, of kind of the super light, carbon kind of weight weenie thing and back when it was aluminium as well i mean i used to get bikes into test and and one of the things they would say to you don't put it in a work stand yeah. do not clamp that tube in a work stand yeah yeah, yeah. or bike racks on your car and stuff yeah. like that right? it's literally put your you know. kids seats on the yeah <laughs> 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 yeah oh yeah on the kids seat on the kids yeah on the bike, bike. yeah yeah, yeah. i don't mean yeah. put your kids on the roof of the car so I'm i guess these <laughs> <laughs> I don't have no idea if you can't do that or not. No, <laughs> I guess these like kids ride shotgun type. Yeah, things. exactly. They, they go around like now the the stem spacers and the uh, and the seat posts. Is that right? Have I got that yes, one? I think they do now. The original. So I've got one of the original ones, which kind of compresses the tube, the top mm-hmm. and the down tube, and you're kind of like cranking it up to make sure it doesn't move because obviously with like a I put it on an aluminium frame. Uh-huh. The tubes are hydroformed, so they're not just straight yeah. cylindrical. You know, they're different shapes. So you've got to crank it up pretty tight. And you can imagine, you know, if you were to do that on a carbon bike, mm. the cracking, the splintering you do as you wrenching down on it. Like, <laughs> right, go on then, jump on, you're safe. What's that noise? Don't worry about nothing, that. Nothing. <laughs> Bit of duct tape, tight together. Be fine. It'll be all right. Fine, it's settling. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, on your pride and joy. Maybe uh, not so much. You yeah. check them under SLR. <laughs> Maybe not. Come on, kids. <laughs> <laughs> you sort of brought up some one of my little pet hates, and I've got many pet hates in the in the world of bikes, um, as some regular listeners might realise. <laughs> Staff angle nuts. My God, what a terrible solution to a to a problem that you know. I was trying to. I was building up a, a bike last week. And uh, changed some forks on it, which had a stack of angle nut. And I wanted to you do like a, a one-up steerer tube 
um, tool thing. And you're there like, well, this is barbaric because I sort of put an Allen key down like the middle of my steering tube and just start hitting it with a with a mallet. Terrible solution. Uh, do you know what? So I remember when they were basically phasing threaded steers out. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I remember the first bar and stem I bought for a... Mm, Non-quill one. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're like, hold on, I've got to do what? <laughs> and I was in the garden. I think I was in the garden at like nine o'clock at night. And my dad was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm fitting this with that hammer. <laughs> yeah, you need it. Why? I've got to put this thing in there. Showing him the stuff, I'm going, no, mind blown. Yeah. What is that? Yeah. Why are you doing that? Oh, see how it works now. I do right. wonder whether there's like other mechanical in, you know, industries or like products where a staff angled nut is like just a common solution to a problem that exists. Well, to be fair though, like when you think about the other ones where you had a really long bolt. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the ones that clamped from top and bottom? Yeah, yeah. That compressed Headlock. It? Headlock. Was it a Zonic headlock? A Zonic, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, since then, there's uh, various others that have where there's um, like Bontrag have it with the tool. Mm -hmm. We have just one long bolt specialized do with yeah. a concealed tool. The one up have got like a carrier for their thing that you put in the pump. Is that, they seem to work all right. Yeah, work really well. Heavier, obviously. Yeah. Add I mean, weight. But still, I mean, one of the, one of the guys I used to ride and and race with way back on mountain bikes had like a headlock, but he never kept it on the bike. He'd only use it to set bikes up. Yeah. So he clamp everything up, clamp his stem up, and take it off. They just have a hole running through it. Yeah. You know, and he was like four cross and and you know slalom rider. I mean, there's no so he's like why that like just you know spend most time in here. And he was like, yeah, it's fine. There's, I can't see. There's no reason why that wouldn't. I mean, I'm not going to condone it. I mean, you wouldn't do it on a carbon syrup, but you know, on a, on a thick aluminium. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Aluminium, or, you know. I had um, a Hope Head Doctor once, years back when, I, you know, it, and I was saying it never worked particularly well. And that. It used to slip quite a bit. Mm. I guess the theory is that you just you just preload him with, yeah. with that thing anyway. So it doesn't... Well, anyway, we've, we've, we've gone well off topic. Um, <laughs> if you've got any questions about staff angle nuts, email us at podcast at bikeroader.com. Um, we'll, we'll or or email the it. inventor of the staff angle nut yeah. if you can find him or her. Why? Please do. Why? <laughs> All right. <laughs> We'll, uh, we'll move on to the next one, uh, and this is very relevant to me as well, actually. Is there a way of rescuing a SRAM rival Explore mech that was ridden through a flood uh, and now refuses to shift? Shall I pop it in a container of rice like I do with my mobile phone? I'm going to put my hands up. Uh, I've I've recently ridden through a flood with a, an Explorer mech, and it doesn't work particularly well anymore, and it happens on mountain bikes as well. So See, it's a weird one, actually, because I've done that recently on on my fourth axis bike, ridden through... A flood, um, and that had those five and a half thousand mile wheels on it. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. Um, the water wasn't that dirty. <laughs> Don't write that on the eBay description. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, um, and I've done the same with with an Apex Axis mech, and and not come up against any problem. Oh, okay. I mean, Axis mechs are rated to IPX seven, which means they should be able to be submerged in a meter of water for half an hour. Oh right, okay. Without anything going wrong. Great. So you know, if the mech's fully dried out, you try the usual things like taking the battery off, cleaning the contacts, mm -hmm. checking the battery's not misfiring, so put it in the the um, charger, and if it's a flashing light rather than a constant light when it's charging, okay. there's something wrong with the battery. Right. So if you've got a second battery, you switch that in, see if that does anything. Yeah. You know, if all that fails, you might as well chuck them in a bag of rice and see what happens. See what happens. But again, I, I, I spoke to one of the, the product guys at SRAM about this, and, and they were sort of like, they wanted clarification what they meant by flood water. You know, was it literally just riding through a, a deep ford or... You know, ha has it been standing in flood water of indeterminate origin with other contaminants in it for an okay. extended period of time? Then that might be a, a you know 
uh, contributing factor. Uh, yeah, yeah. But he also then just said, you know, every access component is covered by you know two year like unlimited warranty. Uh-huh. So if you have got a problem with it, just take it to a SRAM dealer. They'll run diagnostics. I mean, you can run diagnostics on yourself. You just open the access map and see app and see if it finds the mech. Uh, okay. Finds the mech, yeah. then it's still communicating. It's still doing what it should be doing. Right. So it could therefore be a physical problem, which drying it out probably might cure. Yeah. Um, but if you're still pissed from a problem, just take it to a SRAM dealer, they'll replace it. Right, okay. That's good to know. Any Have you had any issues like with mountain biking? Because obviously you tend to get a bit more, you know, use and abuse. I've not. No. no. Um, but I have, I mean, I've had it where I was riding in really just the worst rain I think I've ever tried to commute in before. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden my mech, my shifter stopped talking to my mech. Mm-hmm. And I'd, not long changed the shifter battery so i figured well it can't be that but what i did do is pop the shifter battery out right reinstall it and it seemed to oh, okay reject it. itself a bit yeah yeah i mean that kind of, i mean I've, I've had that where where i've had shifter batteries seem to be misfiring because mm-hmm. i'm you're normally in like a two-by system and then you know you, you're sort of you only really notice when you're trying to front shift and you go oh this is weird these batteries are fresh and i think there's a, that's a bit of a thing because the battery actually sits underneath them you know the the hood yeah, um, and it's covered by a rubber sleeve. So if you're out in like potentially in a lot of rain, that water can just run in and sit there. Uh, okay, and it only has to create a small short. Yeah, so it's just yeah, cool. Pull the rubber hood back, take, pop the battery out, give it a give it a quick dry around with yeah. you know some paper towels. Try it again. Okay, and if not, then it could be a, a shifter issue. Yeah, actually. I mean it's the same with any Which... kind of ele- you know electrical fault. You just you've got to eliminate all the possibilities before mm-hmm. before deciding it's all it's all junk and it's all junk. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I guess you know people go, oh, you know what? Well, it's because it's electronics and stuff. But I guess you're not replacing. You know, with a Shimano or a cable-based operating system, if you're going through floods, your cables are going to get pretty knackered as well. So yeah. maybe the advice more is don't ride through floods quite so often. Hard to do in this country. Hard to do, yeah, this time of year. <laughs> There's been some pretty horrible ones around. All right then, cool. Well, we'll move on to our fifth question, which is: Hi team, the pistons on my Megura brakes have stopped retracting properly. I think you call this sticky pistons. What's the best remedy for this? I don't need to replace them, do I? Uh, how can I stop it happening again in the future? Okay, okay, so uh, chances are if they've been on your bike for quite some time, they've got a bit dirty, uh, maybe the seals aren't so great. That mm-hmm. would potentially be a different problem, but it's the seals that help them retract. Okay. So uh, you can clean them though. So before you panic and think you've got to replace everything, there are ways you can do that. So you need to pop the pads out, then you need to gently, very, very gently squeeze the lever just to try and advance the pistons. Now, mm-hmm. you don't want to, you know, yank on it and just pop the pistons out. You just want to move them out far enough that you have access that you can clean them. Mm-hmm. So when they're out, um, I would say go around it with brake cleaner Yeah, um, is the best thing to do with either maybe like a, a clean rag or it's easier to use something like a cotton bud, mm-hmm. just soaked in brake like cleaner. Like a Q-tip if you're American. Yeah, a Q-tip if you're American, yeah. Uh, and just go around it. Just go around the edges and, and try to get any gunk off mm-hmm. and look for any damage, obviously. Um, any signs of severe wear that could impact that. Then what you need to do to lube it, the best thing to do is to use the brake oil that is used in the brake. Right, okay. So if it's uh, a Magura or Shimano brake, you want to use mineral oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's not, if it's um, SRAM, or hope. DOT. Yeah. And obviously if you're using DOT, you need to make sure you've got, you know, gloves, eye protection, all of the right things to do because it can obviously be harmful. Um, minerals, mineral oil is generally a little bit safer, mm-hmm. but it's better to use gloves and mm-hmm. all the ge- general protection as well with that stuff. And then you can just go around um, 
to use a, a clean Q-tip or clean cotton bud or a rag soaked in a little bit of that brake oil and just basically just go around and okay. clean those, uh, clean the pistons up, lube it the best you can. And then what you want to do is use, uh, I suppose most people are going to have access to a plastic tie lever. Mm -hmm. So use that plastic tie lever to um, try to retract the pistons. So push them back in. Yeah, gently just sort of persuade them back in. Mm -hmm. and, and it's not the easiest thing to do. Mm -hmm. It just takes a bit of time and you just got to do and some, you can use, it's hard to describe exactly how to do it. There are lots of good videos out there. Probably the best one I think I've seen is on the Park Tool site. Yeah. Where they give loads of tips and they go through it. They go through the whole process. But in short, use the tire lever to start to retract and push mm -hmm. the pistons back into the caliper body. Uh, then you want to make sure you give the whole caliper body a good clean because mm -hmm. you don't want any of that oil that you've maybe been using to lubricate the pistons to get anywhere else yeah. other than on those pistons. And then pop the brake pads back in, making sure you give them an inspection first, make sure there's plenty of meat still left on them and that there's, you know, they're not wearing unevenly or anything like that. Just the usual sort of, mm -hmm. while you're working on your brakes, you might as well do those checks. Final clean, you know, isopropyl alcohol at the end with a clean rag, put your wheel and your rotor back in and just see how they're working. You can, you can go through that process more slowly and you can individually sort of look at those pistons to see yeah. as you go through once you've lubricated them to see if they are still sticking or not. If there's any pitting as well on them, right? Yeah, and, and you know, you, so once you get to the point where you've lubricated them, you can then, um, you could potentially use a tire lever or you could put a, a, an old rotor up inside there and just squeeze the brake mm -hmm. just to see if they're coming through and they are um, they are moving evenly or not. Yeah. It might need extra cleaning, might need re-lubricating mm -hmm. to... to just free them up a bit more. Some of them will just need to be moved more in yeah. and out in order to free them up a bit. Uh, and as I said, you know, sometimes it's an old seal or the seal's damaged and therefore they're not retracting properly because of that. Mm -hmm. But generally just trying to get a bit more life into them with yeah. that lubrication and, and trying to follow a few of those steps as well as you can mm -hmm. and making sure to clean everything at the end so there is no contamination on the pads yeah. or the rotor, obviously. Okay. Yeah, the rotor as well. Yeah, but I would say... You know, we can describe it best we possibly can, but the the park tool video is probably the best yeah, one to is, watch. Yeah, I guess a couple of things on that you can, if you've got a two piston setup, it's quite easy to use the tire lever to sort of lever against the caliper body and one of the pistons yeah. to prevent it from moving out, and then you can get a little bit more meat of the piston coming out on the other side. That's right. To yeah. help with cleaning, and if you, you know, push it back in and then you know repeat that process a couple of times, it can help sort of sort of get that seal sort of moving and properly so you can in and out in and out in and out a couple of times yeah um it's also worth noting if you are looking down at the brake caliper when you're sort of making sure that the pistons are all moving equally that sometimes a four piston setup will two of the pistons might come out a little bit faster than the two of the others to sort of get that toe in on the brake pad is that right potentially always come out equally no and, and some brakes will use different size pistons forward and back yes so that may have an effect potentially on mm. when it comes to drag and surface area and things like that Generally speaking, it should be fairly even in terms of how they advance. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, that's what I would try to look for and mm -hmm. just do the best job you possibly can when it comes to cleaning them, yeah. lubricating them, retesting mm -hmm. and cleaning. And then, of course, you know, when you have got it sorted, recenter your calipers properly as well. Because if you're, yeah. if they've been centered on a fact that you've got a slightly sticky piston and then you don't, you're going to have, again, uneven, potentially uneven, yeah. wear, uneven, you know, you're going to encourage that sticky piston again. And you can do that in a 
a few different ways. There's obviously you can do it by eye. Mm -hmm. uh, you can do it by loosening the caliper bolts off and pulling the lever in. Mm -hmm. That's that's an okay way to do it. But it depends if the pistons are not yeah. advancing equally, then that that's not ideal. And the excess bits. And then there's brands like Bursman that do quite a cool little mm. tool, which I think you you normally use, right? Yeah. So it's like a little slither of. Um, I mean, the old school way of doing it was to stick a bit of credit card up either side yeah. of the brakes and and center it like that. But yeah, you can get like a little clam-shaped bit of metal that sits over the rotor and you sort of rotate it in um, and you sort of center it like that. And then you've got, you know, the I guess not the most high-tech system, but Hayes have got like little grub screws on the caliper body, uh, yeah. which pushes against the retaining bolt of the caliper into the into the frame. And that really helps you absolutely dial down because you can find that when you tighten the main caliper body onto a frame or fork, tightening those bolts can twist the... Um, yeah. Caliper a bit especially when you get those cupped washers that yes. SRAM like to supply yes where the, the whole thing can kind of roll on mm. it and that makes it even harder yeah so yeah those uh i can't remember what the system that hayes calls it but center point or something i can't remember yeah. but it's really neat it's a yeah. really nice way to do it yeah so yeah when i always find that you know get everything centered when you're happy with it pull on the lever real hard so that when you are, do do that final bit of tightening of, of your caliper bolts that they, it doesn't twist it too much only i don't know what the torque setting on those are. it's not like super high you're not like cranking down on them that bad are you no it no you don't need to um and obviously you don't want to damage your fork mm. but you should follow the the brand's yeah recommendations in terms of torque settings and obviously if you're feeling out your depth or things don't seem to be going particularly well go to your local bike shop mm. there they'll be able to help you in an instant yeah put anything anything you've done wrong right <laughs> Pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of important breaks. Yes. Yes. You've got to get it right. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Okay. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. So thanks ever so much, uh, Rob and Warren, for your input. And hopefully it's been some help to our listeners. And don't forget, of course, if you've got your own questions or comments and suggestions for the podcast in general, our email address is podcast at bikeradio.com. Uh, and we do read every single email and try and respond to them all as well. Lovely. Thanks ever so much, guys. Cheers, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode. 